This podcast is intended for entertainment and thought-provoking purposes only. The thoughts and views expressed are those of the hosts of Room 2008 and are meant to generate discussion about various topics and do not represent the views of any guest, platform, or network. Proceed with skepticism. Please enter Room 2008. We are live on a Wednesday morning on twitch.tv slash room2008ENT. We're uh, live on Rumble and we're live on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, We don't usually go live early this often, but we do have a very good reason for that. I'm going to go ahead and say it tomorrow is Thursday, December 21st. It is the winter solstice. If you've made it this far, you've been lucky. Uh, We're going to be getting into some stuff that you've already survived if you're you're watching this right now, but we're also going to be going into what's coming that you need to look out for. I am Drew Nell. I'm a Yule lad today. I am the door slammer. And as usual, I'm joined by Lance. Lance, how's, how's it going? Old Meat Hook, doing good this morning. Good morning, everybody. There we go. And joined by Mr. Peter himself. How are you doing, Peter? What's up, everyone? How you doing? He's, I'm window peeper today. He is the window peeper. <laughs> uh, he's actually that throughout the year. But uh, so <laughs> we'll get into those aliases here in a little bit. Uh, but we do have a special guest with us today. Uh, we're going to go over some of the uh, more darker and forgotten about traditions of the Christmas season. He has a weekly podcast called New England Legends, which is available wherever you listen to podcasts. He's a writer and researcher for the TV show Ghost Adventures, and he's the author of the book The Fright Before Christmas, which we're going to be going through. Uh, it's available in hardcover, ebook, and audiobook, which he narrates. We have Jeff Belanger with us. Uh, Jeff, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me, and uh, it's good to see you all alive. Frankly, yeah, yeah, we're definitely. Yeah. Uh, had no yeah. idea about a lot of this stuff before we kind of dived into your book. I've lost three bets already this morning. what are you gonna do but um so yeah that's uh i I remember last year at this time peter actually brought up to me he's like man i wonder why everyone lights up their houses for christmas why why is the why is the christmas tree just you you just engulf it in lights same for your house same for your bushes and everywhere else i was like yeah i don't don't know he's like man there's got to be something ancient about it it's got to go back in history for something i was like yeah i don't know and then came across your book and yeah it's like that old jim gaffney bit he's like all right let's cut down a pine tree and bring it inside let's take all the lights and put them out here you know it's just it's just weird when you like think about it objectively mm-hmm. and yeah. uh uh reading this book really kind of shattered the narrative for me so um i'm excited to hear you talk about it yeah thanks no it's it's everything has a backstory everything there's a reason for every tradition for everything and some of us don't wonder about that. I'm not built that way. Like, I wonder how anything got there, what, what, right. whether it's a story, a building or a landmark or whatever. You're like, oh, why is that there? 
uh, and, and then I'm the kind of person that goes, why is that there? And then I can't sleep until oh, I right. have the answer. So you Same. start, you start digging and you go, well, now I gotta know. Cause shoot, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight. So, so Christmas for me, all, all the, the journey started like 10 years ago when I was hanging the wreath on my front door, uh, it was this plastic, totally fake wreath. I live in Massachusetts. It's cold. When I was putting it up, my fingers were getting numb and the little crafting wire I used to hold it to the door knocker had broke and it fell to the ground. And I was just like furious. And I started asking questions like, oh my, why do I do this? Why the wreath? Why the lights? Why December 25th? Why Santa? Why do we spend so much money? Like why, 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 why? Why the cookies right. and the baking and why? And then I went, well, there's an answer to all those questions. I just don't know it yet. And so I started taking this deep dive. And then not long after that, a, uh, I do a lot of public speaking around uh, October for Halloween and ghosts and haunted places. That's been my that's been my meal ticket for 20 years now, you know. And at that point, someone said, hey, would you ever think about doing a Christmas talk about Krampus? And I was like, you know what? That's one I've, I'd heard of Krampus. And I said, yeah, that's that's one I've been meaning to look into. And uh so shoot, it sort of started from there. And then the more I dug, the more I went, this is really amazing. This holiday, and I always liked it as a kid, but now, oh my gosh, as a as a paranormal guy and a spooky loving guy, I love it even more. Right. I'm, I'm here to say, right? Halloween is only the second scariest holiday of the year. And it's a distant second. Wow. It's a right. far distant second. Christmas wow. is the most frightening. Right. Yeah, that's why, um, that's why I, I enjoy the book because I feel like we're, we're so disconnected from our past, not even ancient times or, or that far, but just a few generations, you know, a lot of this stuff are, you know, great, great grandparents probably know about it and actually, you know, not celebrated it, but, you know, partook in some of these traditions and stuff like that. And we're so disconnected from it. We don't even know what a lot of this stuff is as, as modern, you know, as, as modern people just going out buying stuff. You know? Right. Well, right. Yeah. I think we've, we've lost our way in, in, in so many aspects, you know, um, I, I was, I, I do this calendar every year that we, you know, it's the haunted new England calendar. I'm not even plugging it. It's sold out. It's been sold out for a month. You can't get it. But, um, but anyway, so I was thinking about calendars in general and people have always said that farming was the single biggest innovation in human history, which of course, there's a ton of truth to that because if, if someone doesn't farm, we can't have podcasts, you know, we have, right, we right. have to be out there hunting and gathering. So of course, of course, however, I would say hand in hand with farming, is the invention not invention but i guess observation of the calendar of realizing mm. if you're going to farm you need a calendar because you got to know like what we plant here this is exactly if you plant too late it's bad too early it's bad you, you harvest here you plant here we hunt certain animals at this time we got to migrate at this time this is the wet season you have to be such an astute observer of your environment if you're going to settle down Otherwise, you literally die. And not just you, your whole family, your whole village, your, all your friends, they all die if you're not good at the calendar. And so our ancestors had to live and die by uh, what was happening with the sun, the moon and the stars and when they had to. It was it was sacred because that's literally think about it. It's literally dictated by the gods or God, whatever you believe in is controlling all that up there. And you do what it says or else. Or you else can't you sleep in. Perish. Can't sleep yeah. in that day just because you're tired and you have to get out there in the farm in the farms and. Darn across. right, darn yeah. right. And so uh, our our ancestors observed there were certain specific moments throughout the year, big moments, like solstices and equinoxes, and then halfway between those were other moments, and those became sacred. Like those were benchmarks in the year. If you don't have a certain amount of food gathered by then, if you don't have fuel gathered by then 
you're in trouble. And so, mm -hmm. um, so these became sacred, sacred and important uh, holidays, things, things to mark your calendar because we've got to be ready or we die. It's a matter of life and death. And now we've gotten a little soft because when we run low on food, we can call DoorDash. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. and, uh, and, and we don't, and, and if it gets really cold outside, it, God willing, you can afford it. You turn your heat up, you know, and you yeah. go, Ooh, now it's 72, <laughs> you know, oh, and yeah. the gas switch, it just comes on automatically. Yeah. Oh, it's dark. <laughs> Click lights go on, yep. you know, but it really wasn't that long ago. Like you said, our great, great grandparents were, were living in a time without electricity and, yeah. uh, and so on. So it's, um, we're not that far removed from, from all these ancient ways and those ancient ways are in us and they show themselves in funny ways, like, uh, getting drunk at the office, uh, Christmas party. You're literally taking part in a, in a tradition that goes back like 2,500 years. Right. <laughs> when wow. you do that, we can take all the guilt out of it now. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> you're <taking> me. <laughs> yeah. So, speaking of calendars, too, it blew my mind at the beginning of the book you were talking about as a Christian myself, uh, hearing about when Jesus was born, that it wasn't zero BC going into AD. And that no. was just, I had to read that twice. I've yeah. never heard it. And uh, I mean, as you know, it's just. Uh, it's crazy all this, just the different misconceptions and everything that goes with the, the finest details of everything you talk about in your book. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, and 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 I don't mean to offend any Christians when I say Jesus wasn't born on the year zero. Is literally a clerical error? Yeah, um, is all it was, and it doesn't change any part of the story whether he was born in December or the spring, which is much more likely. You know, it's it doesn't change any part of people's belief systems. But we live in a time when if you challenge any part of what I believe in, you challenge every part of what I believe in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all or nothing, all or nothing when it comes to like hot button political issues, like, right. you know, and, and that's, it's such a shame because you're like, most of us are reasonable people in the middle somewhere. And you yeah. go, well, if Jesus was born in March or, or April, does that really throw everything you believe off? It yeah. doesn't change your thing, right? It's just, it's the date's wrong. That's all. Mm -hmm. um, but, why we got to December 25th has its own story, which is sort of interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. We can uh, dive into that. Cause I think um, I'm interested in both sides, both that side of it, where you go into like the symbolism and everything like that. But then we're also very interested in, you know, the monsters and the forgotten uh, the punishments that used to go along with this. So, um, so I mean, Lance, uh, I know you were kind of interested in this one, you know, if you want to, if we want to go ahead and go down that route of, of why it's, why it ended up being December 25th and, and some of the old traditions uh, that, that came from that. And, and everything. Well, I know why now, but I don't want to explain it. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I know no, lead, a, lead the way I'll, I'll go get some cocoa or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you, if you would, Jeff, that's a great, great start. So December 25th. So uh, most of this Christmas fuss, when I mentioned the office party, like you're, you're basically taking part in a Saturnalia event, right? Saturnalia is December 17th to the 23rd. We're in the heat of it right now. Right. Yep. Uh, it, it started outside of Rome. It's a, a, a <laughs> you got our beers, by the way, you drinking it this morning, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Just, just vodka. <laughs> <laughs> I got whiskey. So right in, in, in honor of the, 
holiday. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, um, so it, it starts as this uh, farming festival where you celebrate the harvest and you take all the, you know, the, the beer's been made, the wine's been made. We're going to get together with friends and we're going to flip society on its ears. The masters are the servants, the servants are the masters. And that's, that's, and we party, we party together because we know we got to get through winter. It's going to be a slow time. We don't have a lot to do because we're farmers. And um, and there's not much to do in the winter on a farm except take care of the animals. And so we, we flip society on its ears and it's almost like a steam valve for the whole year. We got to December 25th because when the emperor Constantine was the, who was the first Christian emperor of Rome, he's trying to sell Jesus to the masses. Jesus didn't have a birthday. If it was important, the Bible would have told you his birthday, I assure you. But the only clue you get is in the book of Luke that says uh, shepherds were laying out in their field, keeping watch over their flock by night. That's your one clue. And that that in Bethlehem, that would happen in the spring, the summer or the early fall. In the winter, it's just too cold. So that means that's the only season we can rule out. But Jesus was also born a commoner and commoners didn't track their birthdays. Only kings did that. And, and, and Jesus being born a commoner is an important part of the Christian story. All of Christianity does not hinge on Jesus being born. It hinges on the Easter story, on the death and resurrection. That's what defines a Christian, that you believe he died and was resurrected. Literally all of us are born. It's not right. that special. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But to die and come back, that is special. That's what defines a Christian. Easter's the big holiday. It's just none of us got the memo. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. We always thought Christmas was the big one. Um, and that's because of thousands of years of traditions. Right. So. The Emperor Constantine says, look, I got to sell Jesus to the masses. He's got to be a king, not just a king, but a king of kings. And that's when he says, ah, I know the perfect birthday. Kings need birthdays. His will be December 25th. In the Julian calendar, December 25th was the winter solstice. Theirs, theirs was a little off from ours. And so December 25th was also Sol Invictus, the, the sun god. It's the shortest day, but it's also, it marks the return of the sun. Every day thereafter, there will be a little bit more sunlight all the way up mm. until we get to the summer solstice, and that's the most sunlight. So it's the return of the sun, and he said, that's perfect. What a perfect uh, place to put it. You've got this raging party called Saturnalia from the 17th to the 23rd. One day off for your hangover. Boom. The 25th, uh, we have Christmas Day. And Christianity was at war with that day from about 336 AD until like, I don't know, 40 or 50 years ago. That's, that's crazy. Oh wow! Wow, because it's yeah. so it's so ingrained. Just you, you, it's it's hard to believe that you know. I mean, I don't know if we'll get into it or not, but you know, when you go into you know the uh, Puritans and stuff like that, it's just it's not relatively speaking. That's not that long ago. No, right. they banned yeah. Christmas. The Puritans yeah. knew everything about this holiday is pagan. Putting up a tree, uh, evergreens, giving gifts, dressing fancy, singing songs, getting drunk, feasting. All of that is is pagan leftovers from the Yule Festival and the Saturnalia Festival, and they literally banned it. You'd be fined five shillings. They called it a satanical practice. Satanical. Wow. Giving mm -hmm. gifts. Uh, and so, no, we're going to have work the, December 25th. Parliament will hold session December 25th. Uh, to some of the many uh, prominent Christians of the day said, we do more to dishonor Christianity in the 12 days of Christmas than in all 12 months combined. And so even when the ban was lifted a few decades later, uh, it still was not a thing. Christmas was not a thing. It was just right. another day, uh, probably like the way you think of like Groundhog Day today. I mean, it's a mm -hmm. day, you're aware of it, but right. you know, are you going to yeah. like go way out of your way? You know, Take to the do day something? off. And, yeah. yeah, you're just like, eh, it's, it's a day. So uh, Christmas becoming a very big thing would happen centuries later, but it was literally, it, once the ban was lifted, it was still shunned. 
Right, right. You think um, if we start drinking beer out of uh, Viking horns on Groundhog Day, that would catch on? That become like a new <laughs> thing for 100, 200 years down the road? Uh, it might catch on two, three weeks down the road. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> maybe in a couple hours. We're doing that for Christmas now. I'm going to bring the big horn. And we're I, all, you know. I love that. I've drinking beer out of just about anything. I mean, a shoe, <laughs> like, you know, this, if it holds liquid, it'll hold beer. You know what I mean? There we go. Yeah. Start I'm in. traditions. Yeah. The show. <laughs> that's another lad, the shoe drinker. Yeah. Oh, you know what? This, I'm not proud of this, but we had this, this, this kegger, you know, I was, 20 but uh it, it, the deal was like you had to bring your own thing cup something ah. i didn't have a cup but i i had a shoe and I, <laughs> times were hard right times, were hard. <laughs> times weren't just hard or very very good first, wasn't my first beer of the afternoon you know what i mean <laughs> when that good. makes sense to you when you're like yeah i'll drink it out of a shoe like you're probably a few in already right. so i was like just fill this and they're like oh, awesome okay I start traditions. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like Saturnalia to me. Yeah. That, 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 except it was summer, but whatever. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It felt like Saturnalia. Well, yeah. I, um, so that's interesting. And now we can transition into the symbolism, I guess, if y'all want to. Of okay. Like, like the Christmas tree, the, the ornaments, the garland. This is very fascinating stuff. Yeah. I was shocked to hear this. Yeah, because <laughs> one, one of these things, I was, um, I was literally reading the book, and then I looked up at my mantle, and I was like, I can see that. But I'll, mm -hmm. I'll let you know what it was when we get to it. So, Sure. Yeah. So, so Yule uh, was the Scandinavian winter solstice festival. And very similar to Saturnalia, we'd all get together. We'd put our bygones aside. We all drink from the same drinking horn. Definitely ale, maybe mead, which I'm not as into. But, you know, you do you. Um, and then we would drink from the same horn, meaning we're all equals. And if we've had beef all through the summer or the fall, we set it aside. We give each other gifts. We eat and drink together because we know we need each other to get through the winter. Winter's brutal. You know, I mean, we don't know if we have enough food or fuel or whatever. And so we do that. But also we hear sounds and, and see very frightening sights that we don't see any other time of year. So, for example, when you're inside, you hear this like screeching sound and you wonder, is that just the wind whipping through naked trees or is it like the crying spirits who are being chased down and hunted by the Norse god Odin in his wild hunt as he flies through the sky. And you're frightened. And you look out your window and you see that winter kills everything. You know, winter kills the grass and the flowers and the trees and it even kills the ponds and the lakes. They're frozen solid. Everything is dead. Branches are cracking and making all that sound. It's it's I mean, absolutely you petrifying, imagine. you know? It's 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 very scary. Except there's one tree that winter doesn't kill, and you look and you go, "Wait a minute, what's that? That tree is special. This evergreen obviously is more powerful than winter." And so we take its branches and we put it over our doors and windows, uh, because we want those prickly needles to keep the bad spirits and the bad cheer outside. We take the tree inside as a symbol. This is stronger than winter. It gets through winter. I can get through winter. Um, and then if we're out hunting to get meat and stuff to supplement our diet in the winter, if we're lucky enough to get a deer or an elk or something like that, after we make the kill, we'll pull the entrails out of the animal and drape it around a nearby evergreen uh, as an offering to the sacred plant. It's an offering, but it's also, uh, you know, other animals can pick that clean and they too can survive the winter. So we're looking out for others. So if you're stringing popcorn and cranberries around your Christmas tree, 
as Garland, you're you're really taking part in, in what used to be entrails. And right. I say, let's get back to basics. You know what I mean? <laughs> let's put some bacon on that tree. Bring some entrails into your home this year. <laughs> drape them around the Christmas tree. Big and as the smell just wafts through the air, your friends walk in and they're like, oh, what is that? <laughs> that is the smell of an authentic and traditional Christmas. Thank you very much. <laughs> Time to yeah, that's 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 what I was, uh, when I was reading the book, I looked up over on my uh, mantle in my fireplace and I was like, I can I can see that those are guts like yeah especially the ones we have um yeah uh, yeah that's I never would have just came to that conclusion so, so lights that blew my street, mind that converted to lights over time because it used to be popcorn and all this other stuff and now it's lights in a tree well no but people that, still do uh, garland so whatever your yeah. garland is like so um uh, I know I had like these like wood blocks that you'd put around and um uh, but but like but popcorn and cranberries to me is the best because it looks like intestines. Right. You know, like that's wow. <laughs> that's basically it. Uh, so, yeah, no. And, and the lights, the lights are about, you know, you've got it's the longest night of the year. It is mm-hmm. the shortest day, the longest night. The further north you go, you might get very little, if any, daylight. And so we've got to light up the night. We've got to be a beacon. We've got to find our way home. We want our friends and family and, and neighbors to be able to find their way to our home if they get lost. And so that's why we illuminate the outside. We need to be a beacon in all this darkness. Wow. Yeah, as you say, with the snow on the roof, if it gets heavy, you know, more lights. You expect your neighbor to have lights, so you know where to go if, if the roof right. caves in. We got to look out for each other. That's that's yeah, what it's about. And those those lights are symbolic of that. It's like I will be the light in the darkness. And and it occurred to me too that you know this is the season for big changes. You know, now we say like New Year's resolutions, which is fine, but. Uh, but the only way to make big changes in my experience is for you to be scared. Think mm. about like your health or the health of family and friends, you know, that that go through something like a, a mild heart attack or something where the doctor goes, OK, you know, the, the way you're eating and the way you're living your life, this is going to happen again. And the next one could kill you unless, you know, maybe it's time to get some vegetables and some walks in each day. And, and you go. You're right. I don't want to die right now. I'm going to make some changes. I'm scared and out of fear, I'm going to make changes. I think this holiday inherently had that fear built in so we could be better people. So if we did have beef all through the summer, we will put it aside. It's the right thing to do anyway. And and maybe we won't pick it up again next spring. Maybe we will, but maybe we won't. Maybe we'll be friends again because we're just we're trying to be better. uh, Yeah. And we need each other. Yeah. Survival. Yeah, you don't get through this winter alone. You can't. It's too hard. You know, it's funny you bring up fear a lot. It's uh, with humanity, you know, you have to fear something to make the changes. You don't just make the changes. Whether it's health, the fear of God, you know, the fear of Christmas, the fear of any holidays, uh, the fear of having to uh, not have what you need for, uh, you know, winter. I mean, we thrive on fear. So I see what you're saying about bringing it back. Yeah, We need that fear for our kids and we need that fear to make the changes necessary for humanity. It's a, uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, th- and that's, you know, so that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. It's, it's really, um, and, and what I love about it is that th- those traditions have made it all the way through, even if people don't yeah. even know why they're doing it, you know, right. and, and when you understand it. So the, so the first year I put the wreath on the front door my dad did it. My dad's dad did it. I put the lights up. I've got a kid, you know, like I want her to look at the house and be like, Oh, it's so pretty, you know, like, uh, so those are good reasons. But when, when I understood that I was trying to keep the bad spirits out and I was trying to be a light in the darkness, well, it actually meant something when I was out there in the cold putting that stuff up. I wasn't just doing it because my neighbors do it or because right. it's expected of me or because I did it because I really want to. 
Uh, last year, I started a new tradition where I don't I don't have the plastic wreath anymore. I I, I made my own real one. Oh, and nice! It, it came out terrible, right? It looked, <laughs> imagine like Charlie Brown's, like I'll just take this tree and make a wreath. It's it's it was you know I went in the woods and I I picked evergreens and I I put it together and nice. all this other stuff. It was a total mess. However, I can promise you it was a hundred percent effective. It did indeed keep the bad cheer outside and the good cheer inside. So oh wow, not, not going to win any beauty awards, but it was a it, it was it was functional. It was very functional. That's well, I, uh, I was just that. about, I was just about to say that that kind of motivates me for next year because uh, we we've lived in this house for two years now and I haven't put Christmas lights up outside. Um, just I just don't want to do it because you just got to take them down again and it's just you know first world problems. Yeah, you know? it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot. Everything now, about Christmas has become a uh, just our inconvenience and yeah. unless <laughs> you know why you're doing it and when you know why you're doing it, it takes that inconvenience out of it. It's for, right. for good reason. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's supposed to be about uh, looking out for each other, having parties, make, getting together, um, giving to charity, you know, like to, to helping others any way you can. And, and that's when and I know it's work and it is a service, but you never know when you're going to be on the, the needing end of all that stuff, um, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, food or shelter or what have you. And so I think it's a good time of year to, to count your blessings but also to um, help those who, who need their help. And I, I was, I was, um, I worked on a podcast story about this uh, horrible event that took place in Nova Scotia. This ship exploded. It was literally uh, over a hundred years ago. Um, and the city of Boston sent all this help, but it was, it was like early to mid December when this happened. And I was thinking about it and, and we said, wow, we asked the question, what if that had happened in July? Of course, you'd still send help. You st it's a, still a disaster. People are dead and, and have homeless and all this other stuff. Right. However, it hits differently when a disaster happens in December to all of us. Anyone That's who true. celebrates Christmas, you're just like, oh, no, your your home was destroyed before Christmas. Like, that's worse. Uh, right. You know, right. you're like, no, it sucks anytime. You know, <laughs> yeah. But but it hits the heartstrings differently because we put so much significance on this one date. So. It's, wow. Of course, it's a time for charities and, and people in need to to reach out and ask for help. Right, and and to kind of go to go forward on that, um, you know, that's what the Yule log represents. Um, so, yeah. it's every little thing goes back to that. Uh, one of the stories I found interesting was, um, if you want to go into it, was the mother that left her baby um, <laughs> uh, in the taking a bath. She had to run to church, and <laughs> yeah, so it's a. <laughs> So, so most of the fuss around this holiday is really centered on St. Nicholas. And St. Nicholas was a real person that lived in Myrit, which is modern day Turkey. And he was born to a wealthy family, but he was orphaned at a young age. And he spent pretty much the rest of his life giving away his money, made him happy. He, he you know, but, you know, built schools and orphanages and hospitals and so on. Uh, he helped people. He would give money away to, to poor people that needed dowries for their daughters or whatever. He'd throw coins through open windows. He just wanted to help others, made him feel good. He became a priest. And eventually he became the Bishop of Myra. And there are so many miracles attributed to St. Nicholas. Miracles that are absolutely, I mean, insane when you hear the story. But who cares? Uh, just to set it up real quick, one of his early miracles was there was a woman who uh, had a, a crippled hand and she was begging for money and St. Nicholas held her hand and they prayed together and her hand was healed. 
simple, straightforward one. But the one you're talking about is on the day that he became the Bishop of Myra, he was at his, his ceremony, um, a, a mother was bathing her child in a pot over the fire. And so the, the water had warmed and the, she was bathing her baby. But then she heard the church bells that the service was about to start. And being so flustered, this mother of the year runs out the door to go to the church, leaving her baby in the water over the fire in oh, the cauldron. No. Church service, as you know, goes on for hours and hours and hours and hours. Way too long. Uh, they play all the hits, too many encores, and eventually it's over. <laughs> and she goes running home. And she opens the door and it's filled with smoke. And she goes, oh, my goodness, I forgot my baby on the water that I was giving giving my oh, baby God. a bath. And she goes over and the baby's just fine. The water's not boiling over or anything. The baby's fine. She scoops the baby up and it's attributed to a, uh, a St. Nicholas miracle. Um, ah. Whereas in reality, you've just you're an idiot. <laughs> you shouldn't have children. <laughs> like, like if St. Nicholas was really doing good, he'd be like, give me the baby. We're going to find another. This, this child needs to be raised somewhere else. And that's what protective services. Yeah. Yeah. We need we need some help here. But that was one of the miracles attributed to St. Nicholas is that on the day that he became bishop, uh, the child was spared. Thanks to St. Nicholas and God. Um, and then Nicholas went on to become the patron saint for sailors, for pawnbrokers, and of course, for children as well. And then after he died, it was the people that started calling him St. Nicholas, not the church. That's, it took them many, many years before they, they kind of caved to the pressure. And more churches were named after Nicholas than all the apostles. Right. So he was just a hugely popular figure uh, throughout Europe. So wow. where, did, where did the mistletoe tradition come from? I, I know you mentioned that in the book. Yeah, so mistletoe is—it's um, a Norse tradition, and the the Norse goddess Frigg uh, had a son Baldar, who was the god of the summer, and he had this dream about his own death, and and told his mom about it, and she was petrified. She said, "This is a prophecy. You, something bad's going to happen." And so she told all the creatures of the water and of the earth and of the sky that no harm can come to my son or else. And uh, the evil god Loki found a loophole in all this. He found mistletoe, which is poisonous. And mistletoe doesn't grow in the water, and it doesn't grow on land, and it doesn't grow in the sky. It's a parasite plant that attaches itself to a tree. So it was a, it was a loophole. And he takes the poison on, from the mistletoe, and he puts it on the tip of an arrow, and he gives it to the blind god of winter and tells him, you know, hey, pull the arrow back. Aim that way. A little more to your left. Okay, let it go. And then whew, the arrow goes right into Baldar and kills him. And all the creatures of the water and of the earth and of the sky come together and try to revive him, but they can't. And only when his mother, Frigg, kneels over him and, and weeps and weeps, only her love can bring him back to life. And suddenly her tears turn into the pearly white balls that adorn the mistletoe. And she decrees that no harm can ever come to anyone who stands under the mistletoe. Just a kiss, a token sign of affection. And that's how it stood um, you know, all the way up into modern times before we started making like really creepy belts out of mistletoe <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and trying to use it to seduce people at office parties. Walk the belt. That's genius. <laughs> it had a great um, run. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we got to watch out for Lance at the next office party because he's going to be getting a little too drunk in honor of Saturnalia. And he's, uh, what kind of belt is that? You want to find out? Yeah. So, you know. Uh, it had a good run. It had a good run. <laughs> I've never heard that. The... <laughs> and I don't have a mistletoe in the house either. Never knew, knew why. And so it was just one of those things where well, I'm not going to yeah, put something else up. You know, well, like... 
Another you know, thing it, that I just never thought about until mm-hmm. now. Well, so I feel like anything that leads to free kisses, free alcohol, free free treats is a good thing, you know? And and so many of these traditions uh, led to that, you know, it was whether it was like wassailing or caroling or mummering or, you know, all these various traditions. The point was to go house to house. It was almost like a, a beggar's night, like we think of Halloween, but really it was it started around right. the, the solstice, and it was it was this beggar's night. You have to remember during the Industrial Revolution, uh, you were if you're a factory worker in like the early 1800s, you were rewarded around Christmas time with lots and lots of time off, meaning you were furloughed. You know, you were laid off because uh, the these these factories are driven by water wheels the water freezes there's not enough daylight you can't work so wow. all the bosses lay everybody off and you have no you know no income for the next several months and so they would go around to the bosses houses they would ask you know sing songs and and recite poems more or less demanding good food and good booze and as a boss you would give those uh, treats or else i mean if if you did that sort of forgive you for the whole year of abuse and then come back in the spring and work for you again. If you, if you were stingy, they might just say like, you know what? Good luck finding workers yeah, for your factory. For you know, you. when you open back up and, and, and that's, I mean, th- I don't know if you've ever had a job where you've been fortunate enough to get a year end bonus, but if you get a really good bonus, you forget instantly all those weekends you had to work <laughs> like the kid's birthday. You had to work through the late nights where you really wanted to be out with your friends. Uh, you forget all about it. If you get a crappy bonus, it's it has the op. It's worse than getting nothing. You know, you're like, right. oh, you know what? My next priority come January first, finding a new job, and I'm going to do as little as possible here until right. I get out of here. And and it's very demotivating. That that which basically just sums up Saturnalia, which, yeah, which you- sums it all up. If if it's a raging party, if the food's really good, if you give me lots of great booze, the good stuff. I'll be like, ah, you're not so bad. I'll see you again, you know, on yep. the other side. And yeah, you're like, bad. Jelly, Jelly yeah. of the Month Club, damn it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Jelly of the Month Club, and now you're now you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you yeah, open just, the book. Yeah, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Oh, you go ahead. I was going to say, you open the book with the whole wreath falling off the, uh, the door, and I instantly just thought about, you know, my scenario putting up lights and the Christmas vacation movie. And it's all perfect now. It's like, you know, just everybody goes through that. And since you said, you know, Jelly the Month Club, it's like that movie has so many references to like, yeah. oh, you know, it's just great. It's all there. And that's why, and I think that's why that stuff is funny because it rings true to some part of us where you're just like, yeah, that's that's me, you know? And and everybody and can relate. It, it, it was true yeah. a thousand years ago and it's true today. And that's why that's why this this holiday just lends itself to to fun humor and and everything else because it's so baked into us even if you didn't celebrate christmas you know if you grew up in this country it is omnipresent it's all around you all the time mm. you can't escape it and i know that's frustrating for some and and not only that i also know that it makes life really difficult if you're if you've lost someone or if you're single and you feel you feel extra lonely at christmas whereas you know March 3rd, whatever, it's just another day. But right. Christmas, you know, it everything gets amplified. The good and the bad just gets completely amplified, right. which is a lot of pressure that the day didn't ask for. <laughs> you that's, know? Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, but but that's that's one of those things that we're all contending with is that everything gets amplified uh, on that day. So mm-hmm. what's what's your favorite tradition that's, that's kind of bled through or which one do you kind of have a new respect for the most, yeah, you think? Yeah. 
definitely the evergreens and the wreath and stuff like that. Um, right. mm. I, I just thought it was putting pretty green, you know, wreaths and stuff on your door, but it it really is significant. And there's something about having a symbol you believe in and ask a Christian how they feel about the cross. Maybe they wear a cross necklace or something uh, because it just, it feels like it gives them a little bit of extra strength or I was raised Catholic. So I've, I've got a St. Christopher medal that I, I keep, I travel a lot and he's always with me. And, and I know, by the way, as a historian and folklore person, uh, there was no historic Christopher. There was a Nicholas. Absolutely was a Nicholas. Right. There was not a Christopher. It's a made oh, up wow. story. It's absolute fiction. And yet when I'm at 35,000 feet going 600 miles an hour over hundreds of miles of open ocean with nowhere to land or in sight, I feel just a little bit better with that metal on me yeah. because I'm like, <laughs> all right, St. Christopher, you're with me. Let's, let's have a, let's get through this, you know? Believe it now. All right. <laughs> yeah, now I believe in him. Yeah, maybe he was real. I'm sure he must have been yeah. helping people cross that river all those years ago. That's great. Uh, Lancer Peters, are there any any traditions y'all wanted to talk about that we didn't mention, or what's y'all's uh, favorite one that's that's bled through? Uh, I, I, the evergreen thing uh, is fascinating to me because I I remember like hunting in my in my younger days. We would uh, you know during the winter everything would be dead and such. But then we would find this little plot where there's there was like a whole evergreen forest. And I remember like just feeling safe there. Like it was it was a spot that I wanted to be at uh, dur Life. during the winter months. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense. It makes sense from a, a, a survivalist standpoint. If you're if you're out in the wilderness, oh, these trees are still alive uh, during, you know, during these hard times. So I can see how they would make that attachment. Yeah. And it would it would be handed down like it has, and, and so. it would protect you from the wind and the elements a little bit, right? Like you could you could get under those trees if you had to. It would be a little bit of windshield. It would be uh, some sort of protection. Whereas the other trees are just dead and skeletons and and right. not much good. So no, of course, yeah, it it doesn't take a you know just being mildly observant. You know, yeah, it makes so yeah. much sense now. Like yeah. I'm just I'm just like wow, I can't believe this. There's yeah, a so. there's a tradition that you know our family goes by, and I guess everybody else does too. But you know, I hate turkey. I don't I don't like turkey. Yeah. But every time we have ham, we're like, oh, we have to have a turkey too. And and it's one of those why why do we have to have a turkey? <laughs> you your book again open that door to why I have to sit there and eat some turkey. Well, uh, well yeah, the the, the reason yeah. for that you can blame one person, one person specifically for that turkey that you you're forced to eat, and that's Charles Dickens. He's the reason he is. So before then, uh, goose, the goose was the most common bird for, for Christmas dinner. Now, I don't think but you should bring that back, but you, you know can, what I'm saying? You're so. allowed to, by the way, I don't eat a turkey at Christmas. <laughs> like it's not my thing, you know, the red um, goose. but uh, so Charles Dickens in a Christmas Carol, of course, once Scrooge has his epiphany that he's been just an absolute raging jerk all these years. Uh, what does he send to Bob Cratchit? Sends him a turkey. And then that that started that tradition that I, I read an article years later in, in this old newspaper that had said um, Charles Dickens did more for the poultry industry <laughs> with that story. <laughs> right? Up. Right. Like turkey farmers were just like, oh, we've got a he's our guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Demand went through the roof. Like he that, started that, big, big poultry. He <laughs> big, he was he was the he was the shill for big poultry. He was absolutely <laughs> he was the lobbyist before there were lobbyists, and and um, wow. after that, you know, turkey farmers now, were getting fat. Yeah, now I don't feel bad about not eating turkey because it's not like a religious factor. It's just purely just the 
marketing, if you will, behind it. Yeah, yeah, none of it. None of it was a religious factor. No, and, and but that's the other thing too is that we hold on so tightly to tradition, and you forget that all tradition is is a habit that that started somewhere. So you know, families start new traditions all the time. You know, I don't know if you guys have young kids or not, but like Elf on the Shelf, that ain't that old. Stay away from it. As as you should, by the way. I'm like, I'm not going to start it yet. We have another, you know, as long as they don't know about it, we're good. So, yeah, so fine. Maybe you don't have Elf on the Shelf. But let me suggest this to you, Lance. Um, Instead of starting with Elf on the Shelf, why don't you just go right up to uh, Krampus on the Mantle? Oh, my. I will there he is. believe these stories are going to come back. And, and, yeah. And know. he could stay put, right? Like That's I pictured, awful. you know, imagine, imagine you're like a, you're like a, a family that celebrates Krampus. I just picture you just have him in the corner, just like hitting the sticks against his hand real slow, <laughs> you know, like you're watching TV and movies and stuff. And he's just there just quietly, you know, you need to get a kid's animal with the battery. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the kids keep looking over in the corner and, 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 and they're a little naughty. Maybe to grab the extra cookie. You're like, Krampus is watching. Let's get into Krampus. Yeah, yes. some monsters. That was yeah. one, one thing that I found interesting um, was you made, you made a designation between St. Nick and Santa Claus, which we'll get into later. Yeah. Um, we've kind of touched on St. Nick. Uh, Krampus, who I, you know, I've heard his name float around throughout the years, but I never, you know, uh, really researched him or understood what he was. Um, he kind of walks hand in hand with Saint Nick. So Saint Nicholas died on December sixth, mm-hmm. which is an important date in the um, in the in the calendar because that's Saint Nicholas Day. That's the day he's celebrated and venerated all throughout Europe. So December sixth belongs to Saint Nicholas. He brings presents to the good girls and boys, which is as you said. And then on December twenty fifth, Santa Claus brings presents if if they're not two different people in your head you should split them apart at least for the the next hour or so so, um, so Rube, i'm sorry just to clarify presents were never given on december 6th they were yeah treats and stuff were given by oh, saint okay, nicholas okay. on december 6th and still are in many parts of europe maybe not the big the xbox not so much doesn't arrive on december 6th <laughs> right but like treats and stuff little little candies little goodies yeah, yeah little okay. goodies yeah and so on, on December 5th is, if, if December 6th is St. Nicholas Day, December 5th belongs to Krampus. And Krampus comes from Austria and Germany, and he's the Christmas devil. He's, he's, he's covered in fur. He's got long horns and a long forked red tongue. And he's got uh, chains around his body so you can hear him coming. And he carries a sack. And he's going to go around the world and snatch up all the naughty boys and girls of the world, stuff them into his sack, bring them back to his mountain lair, and kill them. So come December 6th, St. Nicholas can bring toys to all the good girls and boys because that's all that's left alive. Not bad, oh right? God. There was no halfway point. You were maybe good, maybe bad. You're either good or bad. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. So, yeah. And Krampus, well, Krampus is on the book cover. I mean, that's uh, right. Yeah. I was going to um, I was going to share the screen real quick of one of the, the artists. Uh, or Actually, I think this was a vintage. Uh, yeah, that's an actually. old one. Yeah, that's that's an old one. Yeah. So so that's Krampus right there on the book cover. Well, yeah, that's that's a vintage postcard too. Um, yeah. So, so there, by the way, uh, if you want to have a, a, a fun few minutes on Google, just Google image search Krampus postcards. You'll find dozens and dozens of these great old images all throughout, you know, the mid to late 1800s into the early 1900s. And I just sent out Christmas cards last week. This would have been <laughs> stamp, that's too bad. There's Krampus. Yeah. yeah. That's, and that's, that's a terrifying picture. Isn't that great? <laughs> You can oh tell my. That boy. 
Yeah, no, the, the <laughs> publisher picked the perfect, uh, the, the artist we worked with, I think just did a, a great job with the cover. That That's that's an old, an old uh, classic um, image. That's not custom drawn for this book or anything. That was an old, wow. one of the, one of the vintage postcards. Oh, wow. So um, yeah, Krampus is, is an amazing character and he got wildly huge all over, especially Germany. I even have, this is from Germany, ready? This is a, a Krampus nutcracker. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> wow. Do, you have a lot, do you have a lot of those collectibles? Uh, this isn't, this is very modern. This is really oh, is it? Okay. pretty new. Um, no, I don't have the collectibles. I, I'm not a collecting kind of person. Like I can look at the digital art and that's cool with me. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't necessarily need, especially that stuff. Cause you look at it and you, so um, my wife had looked into getting me uh, a, a Charles Dickens first edition of a Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. You want to want to take a guess what that costs today? Oh no! <sighs> it's like, well, she didn't know. She's like, is it like three, four, five hundred bucks? You know, like maybe that would be a really extravagant, nice gift to get for add Jeff. Couple, I'm gonna guess you add a couple zeros. Yeah, I think it was like thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> oh my! And so you're like, would you rather have that or say a car? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you could keep working and make money to have I don't know food. <laughs> you know and so uh so yeah so needless to say the i i mean i can read a reprint of the book that costs four dollars and it's still the same words i'm good ironically right. if you got that book you wouldn't be able to buy food to last you through the winter and that's then... yeah <laughs> right do we want food ironically. food this year or this book you know uh but yeah no so so krampus became this this mighty monster that got wildly popular started to spread a little bit outside of, of Germany, but then all of the, all the monsters got shut down around the 1920s. That's really when everything uh, had to stop because we were in a depression and then Christmas became about Santa and consumerism. And there was no room for monsters once, once that took hold. Uh, but I think we're living in a time now when these monsters are really roaring back because they're getting movie deals. <laughs> and, and they're showing up all over the place uh, and, and not just Germany anymore now in America and in, in TV shows and pop culture references and songs and everything else. So that's what I thought. That's what I thought Krampus was. That's the first time I ever heard of it was the 2015 movie. And uh, I was like, what, Krampus, what is this? You know, and uh, I had heard it, it kind of became like a cult classic in a way. You know, a yeah. Cult holiday classic. I still haven't seen it. I got to see it. I have I, I have it scheduled to watch. Super fun. You should do a double feature tonight. It's a Wonderful Life and Krampus. You know what? I will do that. I will do that. <laughs> uh, that's one of my. I love It's a Wonderful Life. That's one of my favorite movies. Um, we need a crossover. We're like, oh hey, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Oh god, it's Krampus! <laughs> Don't ring the bell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that'd be awesome. I would watch the hell out of that. Some mashup <laughs> with Jimmy Stewart and you know Absolutely. Krampus. Oh I think oh, I think there's gonna I think there's gonna be more stuff made at some point. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Because well, uh, Violent Night last year with David Harbour. Did you see yeah. that? I did not but, see that. So not Krampus, but I I think they sort of nailed the spirit of the holiday. They nailed you know Nicholas, and I, I think they nailed the thing about Christmas, a Christmas movie, any Christmas movie. You can do anything you want, obviously, right? I mean, Violent Night's an example. As long as you hit the heartstrings, right? As long as yeah. you hit hit those nostalgia heartstrings, which they did, and they did it masterfully. And the movie was super fun. My daughter and I watched it in the theater last year. We watched it again like a couple of weeks ago. High five and the whole time, you know. <laughs> uh, it was great. It was great. Oh, I have to have that one list too. 
Yeah, the yeah, body I'll... count alone is phenomenal. <laughs> just, I mean, you start if you start you start making like little tick boxes, and you're like one, two, three, four, twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Oh my gosh, I, I can't count this. Either. That is like a genre that's that's uh, taken off. Is like scary holiday Christmas movies because that's uh, the only place left. To, first of all, it, it was the only place left to go with the genre right like you, mm. we've done the saccharine sweet syrupy like over sugared uh you know yeah. we've yeah. done it and then we were begging for some alternative now a christmas carol gave us that all along over the last 160 plus 180 years right like right. that yeah. christmas carol was that this is a if done well it, it's supposed to be scary it's a frightening scary story with some funny moments mm -hmm. but then we just we we made this holiday so so sweet that all of us were getting cavities and sick of it. And so <laughs> I think that's another reason that we need the, the the consequences back. We need the monsters in the darkness to sort yeah. of remind us of what it's really about. Um, there's, there's still room for the sweetness, but it needs some balance. Sure. So you were saying that Krampus and Santa Claus are, are, are St. Nicholas, uh, pretty much a team in a uh, way. Cohorts. Yeah. <laughs> it's Good. like, you do this, I'll do that. And we're going to have this, uh, you know, tradition going. Good cop, bad cop. That's it. Yeah. It, yeah people called was... Krampus. Yeah. Mistakenly like, oh, he's the anti St. Nicholas. Not true. That's, what I, not that's what I thought it was. Yeah. Nope. Not at all. It's not, that's not fair to call him that. And, and nor is he evil really. If you think about it, um, right. is, is the person who administers justice and punishment evil? Like, no, point. we need that person. We need that, that figure in society. Someone has to do it, you know, Until and, it changes to like a father whipper. Well, there's right. Some, there's yeah. some evil aspect to it. Bill Schnickel. Which took a left turn in the book, which... Uh, Lance, you can still enjoy your work. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, just because you're beating and abducting children doesn't mean you're not allowed to enjoy it. <laughs> Lance, Lance, you were saying as a father, you're going to kind of take from him, right? And Yeah, I have a tattoo now. Father Whipper right now, Joe. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Pair Futar. I love it. <laughs> Uh, someone commented, uh, you know, Krampus always reminds me of The Office, and that was a big misconception for me. I had no idea this character was even a thing. But speaking of more monsters, uh, could you go in a little bit about the others? Yeah, that so uh, in, in The Office, what you're referring to is when Dwight Schrute dressed up as the Belschnickel. I think we have a picture of that. <laughs> you don't mind pulling it up? Yeah, yeah. so the Belschnickel is uh, Nicholas in furs, and he's covered in a patchwork of furs. His face is dirty with soot, carries a switch of sticks, and unlike the other cohorts of St. Nicholas, he works alone. So each village would have one and he'll go door to door. This year could be my turn to be the Belschnickel. And I go to your door, Lance, and I knock on the door and I, <laughs> a couple of weeks before Christmas. And I say, are there any naughty children here? And you might say, well, this one's been pretty good all year, but that one, not so much. And so I'll, I'll take your naughty kid out back behind the house. I'll tie him to a tree and there and I'll beat his ass. That's it. Oh, that was the picture. <laughs> Yeah, let me try it again. I All right, know. do it again. Yeah, I have yeah. a picture of the office. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna I'm gonna show the office one after this. There it I'm is. The... That's the. Uh, that's, <laughs> oh my that's god! It kind of looks like Santa Claus in a way. Beating your child. Yeah, Nicholas. Nicholas and Furs. So uh, I love that one because the kid is just so clearly tied to a tree and helpless. And, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, it warms it the heart. Like you know what I mean? It. <laughs> no, like we no. lost our way. You don't see that in the mall. You know what I mean? Like, imagine if there was like, you know, Santa Claus over here and you can get your picture taken. And over there was like, like fake trees. And you could pay to have the Belschnickel tie your kid to that tree and beat him. Like, wow. I'm just saying there's opportunities out there. Peter, there's your, there's your next attention. job, Peter. Kids yeah. must have been horrible back then. <laughs> <laughs> or like 
really well behaved. There he is. Dwight <laughs> yeah, there he is. Oh, my glory. God. Yeah. The Dwight Christmas episode of uh, The Office where he played Belschnickel. Yeah. As soon as I read Belschnickel in the book, I started laughing because I remember that scene. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. And, and so here's the thing I make a joke that, like, once they start to appear in pop culture references like The Office, once they get movie deals, uh, if you saw the movie Christmas Chronicles 2 with Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell on Netflix a couple of years ago, the bad guy in the movie was called Belschnickel, the, the kid with the black, dark, leather jacket and with him was yule cat and so these are these these figures are starting to show up more and more right and that's where it starts and then suddenly you're you're at you're talking about them and then you're saying well what else can we do and then there's krampus runs and krampus balls and all these under other wonderful things that start happening yep you just got to plant that little seed and then it'll you just keep keep adding to it and adding to it and then eventually it'll come roaring back well, that's it, you know, and and I think, like I said, I think we just we've been looking for that balance, and um, and these monsters help us find it. They they show us the darker side, and and I think give deeper meaning, like a lot more depth to a holiday that, like you guys have said, right? You just it gets really stressful and sick of it. Like, oh, I got to wrap, I got to bake, I got to go to this house and that house, and we got to go to this party, and I got to do this and that, and I, I don't like turkey, you know. <laughs> like it's it all becomes <laughs> this this thing that we like a bunch of have tos and. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, it, that'll never go away. However, it doesn't mean you can't find meaning in some of the have tos. Absolutely right. And it's interesting to think of like a uh, a Christmas or holiday demon as a necessary evil. It kind of checks you. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's an interesting concept. I never thought about that. And I was like, oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, well, because we all get you know the year goes by and all of us get like cranky and you know miserly and and as we get older, we we lose a lot of that magic. And this this holiday promises promises us redemption in one night. That's really appealing. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, that you could you could wake up in one day and just like Ebenezer Scrooge, be like, oh, I gotta change things. This isn't good, you know. Yeah, oh my god, I'm a dick. You know, yeah, like, that's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh <laughs> some meme going around, right? Yeah. yeah, right, right. I'll change it a few more days. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, you got yeah, you got a couple of days left to, to be a jerk and then you know, then you get better. But no, you're you're totally right. And and all of us can wake up and say, Oh, I could I can do better. I can do better for my family, yeah. for my friends, for my neighbors, for co-workers, everybody. And uh and, and then we we try, we make the best of intentions. New Year's Eve comes, we we start we're gonna exercise, we join a gym, you know, and uh we all we all mean the best, and then by like January 15th, we're all back to normal. Yep, there absolutely. There so is. Um, there's another one that I found interesting. I'm, I might mispronounce it. The, the gorilla, the gorilla. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Got it. That's, um, um, it's going to her a little bit. Yeah. So she's from Iceland. She is the, uh, a troll, a mountain troll with 13 tails who lives up in the mountains of Iceland. And she comes down on the solstice to collect her rent. Unlike Krampus, who's looking for naughty kids. Gorilla does not discriminate. Good kid, bad kid makes no difference. You're out there lurking alone she's going to snatch you up bring you back to her lair cut you into pieces cook you in a stew and eat you mm. and so iceland you have to sort of understand a little bit about where it is in the world and its history it, it was first settled only like 1100 years ago or so right uh when people first came there and there were no other folks there it, it's it's not like when america was discovered and it was full of people but like right. it was there were no people in iceland iceland was covered by an ice sheet and as that ice sheet retreated then eventually animals came, but also like imps and fairies and trolls and monsters. 
And as Europeans started to settle there, they built villages and towns, and then the, those, those magical creatures got moved up into the mountains and relocated. But the winter solstice, they come down to kind of like collect what's owed to them. Right. And keep in mind too, like Reykjavik, the capital of Iceland, in tomorrow there's going to be about four hours of sunlight. That's wow. it. That's it. The sun rises for just a few hours and it's gone. Go further north, it's even less. And at the very northern tip of Iceland, you're just about at the Arctic Circle, meaning there's no sunrise. It's just going to be dark. Yep. And that's a time when you we stay inside. We tell our children about the gorilla. We, we, we go on and on about how horrible she is because if your kid wanders off into the woods at, I don't know, four in the afternoon when it's pitch dark and, and dies from the elements or dies from the gorilla, what's the difference? Right. You know? Yeah. Right. There's no, so you tell your kids that this is not our time to be outside. Uh, right. It's a time to be afraid, stay inside where it's safe, where we hibernate, where we take care of each other. And we'll get through this brutal season together. And the grill is out there hunting. So if that's, you know, if so she's cold is in the next couple of days. Yeah, she's like, she's yeah, tomorrow. Watch wow. out. Yeah. Is there is there any symbology? Uh, I know what we're gonna go we'll go into the Yule after this. Um, since they're isn't aren't they her that her, her her dysfunctional kids? Right. Is there any is there any symbology or numerology the fact that she has 13 tails? Well, but probably because there's 13 Yule lads. Um, right. I, I heard another version where she had like hundreds of tails, but but eventually I think they probably settled on 13 to align with the Yule lads. Right. Right. It's the thing about folklore, it changes, right? It, it mm -hmm. changes and morphs as people tell it to different store, different stories right. to different people. Um, so yeah, that's probably more of a connection to the, the 13 Yule lads who've been showing up for the last week or so, yeah. and there's more coming. Um, you know, they, they, they also come down from the mountains and they're, each one is going to get into your home and stay for two weeks. So I think the first, I believe it was December 12th. Yep, and uh, he's the, the sheep coat clod. And what he's going to do is just take a stick and poke your sheep. So watch out. <laughs> Luckily for that. I don't have any, so we're okay on that one. <laughs> so then I don't know what he's going to poke. <laughs> <laughs> the old meat hook that's uh december 23rd so yeah so 20 he's gonna steal your meat so watch out for that you know? yeah i want to yeah let's i want to go through these one by one because this this is probably the one that i would love to see come back go because ahead. you know like you said everything else um you know uh the bell nickel and everything it's pretty violent you know back, back yeah. in the day everything's kind of calmed <laughs> down the way these are described in the book and you know the way they would be portrayed to, uh, today they're just mischievous. Well, yeah. right. Yeah. For the most part, you're, you're not in mortal danger. Right. Um, so yeah. So the, you know, each one shows up, they each do different things. Uh, the gully gawk is going to steal your cow's milk. Mm -hmm. Stubby's going to, you know, eat the, the crumbs off your, your leftover plates and pots and pans in the kitchen. Spoon liquor is going to lick your spoons clean after your meals, which is just <laughs> gross, you know? <laughs> and then you've got, uh, you've got uh, like window peeper who's going to peep in and look at you door slammer. Who's just gonna slam doors all night long while you're trying to, you know, sleep? Sausage swiper will steal your sausage. <laughs> uh, skier gobbler steals your skier, which is Icelandic yogurt. Uh, my favorite is the doorway sniffer, who is just <laughs> he's he's got this big old nose that like re, you know around the doorway he's sniffing for Icelandic sweetbread, but like that's all he's doing is sniffing around a door. Mm -hmm. um and then eventually candle stealer <laughs> is the very last one candles right. used to be made of tallow 
and um, and he would steal your candles and and um, eat them. So right. yeah, and there's others. I bowl liquor. I think I forgot. So like, yeah. there's, 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 there's so at most at most these are petty crimes. Yes, these are misdemeanors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just an annoyance, yeah. That's what Drew was saying. It'd be nice to bring these back. You can steadily just kind of push them in because it's exactly. nothing, nothing extreme. And you're like, well, I don't know who licked all your spoons. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> just do your, do your dishes, you know? So in Iceland, the news each night would, would have like a segment. Like tonight, you know, the, the gully got comes. So watch out, kids. And and now they're, they're more associated with like giving gifts. So they're not coming mm -hmm. to take. They're coming to give. So kids might leave shoes out or whatever and get like a, a treat each day. Uh, mm. for 13 days from each of the various Yule lads. Right. So, so they've been incorporated very much into uh, Irish lore. Oh, one other thing I wanted to say too about the gorilla is that, you know, when you go into our malls and you've got Santa and you can take a picture with Santa, if you if you land at the Reykjavik, Reykjavik airport right now, today, um, there's a giant cauldron with this big ogre stirring it and you can get in the cauldron and take your picture with the gorilla, which is just awesome. Oh, Lance, wow. can, Lance, can you see if you can find a picture of that? Yeah, I'm gonna get some plane tickets real quick. We're going next week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just look for like Grilla Airport photo. You'll find it. You'll find it like lickety split. Yeah. So you'll add uh, real quick on that. I, I I was asking Drew about this last night. Do, do the names translate to what you wrote, or is that actually like your uh, creativity, if you will, of of naming it like Stubby, or is that no? That's the translation. Translations. That's, okay. Yeah. So I put the Icelandic word in there, and then the translation. And I can't stress enough that I did not invent any of these. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. These I are. I was just thinking maybe you were like, you know what? Nobody's gonna pronounce that name. Let's call it Meat Hook. You know? Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> well, I think we. I think we can invent one. I wanted to ask you this because uh, one of the ones you missed was Pot Scraper. Oh right, Pot Scraper. Yeah. Peter's a pot smoker. Could we add that one to it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's got to scrape the resin, right? So it's still a pot scraper, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry, I've been wanting to do that joke all the whole time. Yeah, no, fair. Yeah. Hey, hey where I live, and... it's legal. You, you can do what you want here. Hey, and when I'm peeping through windows, I'm trying to look at everybody's decorations. Yeah, yeah. yeah they got the tree out. I'm trying to see that. Getting totally innocent. Yeah. yeah. Could you could you wear <laughs> pants <laughs> next time? Because that'd be less creepy. <laughs> Oh, probably be warmer there it is river. yeah that's the pot hop in wow yeah, that's creepy isn't that neat so yeah so you, you could if you click on like the two images over from that you can see this yeah there you go oh she's not that ugly oh wow you can yeah you can hop in the pot wow yeah wow. isn't that cool i love so it it's you're still at disney world yeah it's still like very much a thing picture. Wow. And it's not just the airport. She's the, there's statues like that, you know, around the country where you can hop in and, and get your picture taken with Grilla, which I think is awesome. Yeah, definitely. Is absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Um, where was I going to go after that? Um, what's after the Grilla in the book? The Yule Cat. Yeah, the Yule Cat. So on December 25th, uh, Christmas Day, the Yule Cat comes. And in Iceland, everybody needs to be wearing new clothes. If you're not wearing new clothes, then... Um, you, you you're in trouble because the yule cat will come along kill you and eat you and yeah peter just careful because i don't know the difference between the yule cat and the regular oh, cat. Cat, yeah. cat yeah here's here's my yule cat yeah spray <laughs> paint or black love it Let's do this uh if you don't mind can you tell the story of father whipper i mean we brought it up i think it's a, a very interesting story i don't know Lance, uh, Lance loves this guy i do yeah I'm like i'm like just about his um his history with the children as a butcher and then becoming basically a, a partner with santa claus over i mean i yeah. guess we mentioned some of it already so yeah, just yeah. whatever you want to just 
reiterate about it. So I told you some of St. Nicholas's miracle stories were absolutely insane. This is one of them, probably the most insane. Uh, the story goes that three children were lost in a snowstorm and they found this little village and there was a light on in a hut and they went there and it was the butcher shop and they walked in and there was no meat, but the butcher was there and they said, you know, can we please take shelter for the night until we can find our families tomorrow? And he said, sure. Why don't you step in the back with me here? And then he kills the three children and he puts their meat out for sale in salting tubs. And pretty soon St. Nicholas happens by and his spidey senses start tingling and he goes inside and he sees the meat and he not only knows who what it is, but he knows who it is. And through the miracle of St. Nicholas, he's able to reconstitute the meat back into living children and they're going to be okay. And then he looks at this Christmas cannibal, this, this butcher, and says, this is not okay. From now on, you work for me. From now on, you'll be Père Futar, which translates to Father Whipper. And you'll not kill and eat the, the naughty children. You'll just whip them and beat them. And so... <laughs> a little taste, a little taste. At that point, he became basically like Belschnickel for France. You know, he became the, the whipper and he would go with a company, St. Nicholas, and he would whip naughty children. I got to interview a school teacher in France who teaches um, preschool and, and kindergarten. And she was telling me how um, she says, well, when she was a kid, St. Nicholas and Père Futard arrive at school together. So your little kid sitting on a five-year-old sitting on one of those little squishy mats on the floor and in walks St. Nicholas, looking like St. Nicholas, and Père Futar, who would wear like a dark cloak, a, a black beard that completely covers his face. You can't see his eyes or anything. And he's carrying a switch of sticks. And the two walk in together. And you, I want you to just shrink yourself down to the five-year-old versions of yourselves and imagine those two characters walking in. And you just go, oh, my, which one's here for me? You know, <laughs> and in your head, you're running through all the naughty things you've done in the last year. You know, like, oh, I, I pulled her hair. I did this. I did that. You know, all these things. You're running through it and you just don't know who's there for who. And I said, man, that must have been really scarring as a kid. She's like, oh, yeah. I said, well, I guess you guys don't do that anymore. And she said, we do, actually. <laughs> and it's, it's not in the book, but she sent me a picture of her classroom. And you see these little five-year-old kids. And there's St. Nicholas. And there's uh, Père Futar sitting side by side in chairs. And the little kids are just staring at him like deer in the headlights. And I'm wow. like, that is amazing. And we, that, Drew, we, we see uh, this sort of stuff coming back in a big way and i can't help but laugh at these videos but it's still kind of messed up when you think about it where the grinch comes in and is taking the children's presence and they're freaking out they're like trying to fight even stuff i do yeah. laugh i do laugh at the videos but that's kind of that's kind of that tradition kind of still yeah. floating around so before when you when you said you'd never heard of krampus until the movie came out in 2015 i'm telling you you did uh when you were a kid you heard of the grinch and yep. And the Grinch, of course, is different, right? But he's covered in fur, lives on Mount Crumpet, Krampus, oh, Crumpet. Wow. I don't know. And oh, then, I didn't even uh, put that together. And then, you know, uh, he doesn't have horns, but that hair has been known to hook yeah, into little Yeah, when he smiles, horns. it kind of yeah. goes up. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, he, there's a lot of similarities, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Wow. I'm going to pull up one of the pictures from your book of Father Whipper that um, is just as terrifying as the, the artist rendition of it. Oh, is this the? Uh, I oh, just oh, pictured. If I love this photo. Look at those kids in the basket. That is the look of real terror. Yeah. That, they're not yeah. acting. Those kids aren't pretending. They're petrified. That they were sitting so in that classroom, scary. and both of them came in, and they got grabbed to go in the basket. <laughs> That's yeah. horrible. That is terrifying. Wow. But they'll learn a lesson. 
So, so. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Those kids won't be bothering you anymore. I love that picture, though. That was a great. great yeah. Isn't that there's funny? A, there's a theme of whipping and beating through this whole. <laughs> it, it comes up quite a bit. It was yeah. the only thing that was, yeah, you couldn't do too much more than that. I've, I've sort of learned, too, that like some of my fans are into some stuff like BDSM things, you know? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I posted this i posted this photo of of, of father whipper character that i i admit I, I generated with ai and he's like holding the thing and he looks all angry and he's got the beard yeah. and everything and and uh i got more than a couple comments that were just like yes please i'm like are you kidding <laughs> old window paper over here yeah we live, we live in weird times we do live in weird times i'm like all right you do you i won't yuck your yum <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh jeez! Uh, uh, oh, the well, Um <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, uh, so we're like the shapeshifters. We have a um, a Bigfoot of Christmas too. Yeah, the Karakonkalis from Bulgaria is the uh, the shapeshifting subterranean Bigfoot with glowing red eyes. Uh, he comes out during the twelve days of Christmas, which is also called the unholy days or the unbaptized days. Um, and he comes out. He can only come up at night. And he's going to try to jump on your back and claw at you and ride you until dawn when he has to go back underground. But he's a shapeshifter. He can look like anyone or anything. So could be, you know, Anne Ethel there at your door, or it could be the Karakonkalis. Uh, so don't risk it because he's going to try to get in your house. And once he gets in your house, he asks you a riddle. And if the oh, answer yeah. doesn't have the word black in it, he, he bops you on the head and you're dead. So. That's that's ironic because Peter was just before we went on air, before you joined on the stream, Peter was telling us about a certain aunt of his that's been trying to call him. <laughs> right. I, don't want, I don't want to answer, Peter. Car Congolus. That Maybe. explains the story. That it, explains what I love about the car. <laughs> so what I love about the story, too, though, is that we, we, we tell all these stories of monsters to our kids because we know there really are monsters in the world. Like, that's no secret. You've got access to the news. You know. But but the real monsters are they don't do you the favor and look like giant hairy creatures with claws and glowing red eyes. That's right. easy to avoid. We know to run from that. Real monsters look a lot like us. And so I think the Karakonkalis is especially poignant because could look like anyone or anything. And that yeah. is a lot more realistic um, deep to our, our modern times when the monsters look just like us. Right. I have a question about that because uh, there's some similarities uh, between traditions uh, in other parts of the world that involve shapeshifters. Sure. And uh, I was I was wondering why that is. Is it an evolutionary thing, a survivalist thing that we that we come up with these scary stories to kind of keep people in line and make children behave? Or do you think there's a grain of truth? Like, you know, you said something about Bigfoot or we can talk about skinwalkers. We've talked about that stuff on this program a lot. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm wondering, is, is it that survivalist evolutionary thing to come up with these these monsters, or is there perhaps a grain of truth to some of it? So, so in some cases, the monsters traveled with the people. So, uh, like uh, British colonies, South Africa, and uh, New Zealand, and Australia, and the United States, and you know, um, Singapore, even right. Like, so in some cases, they traveled and and went with the people that that grew up with them. In other cases, they just show up. And to me, one of the most interesting 
is I live in uh, I live right near Boston in eastern Massachusetts, and we have in, in Wampanoag folklore there's the Puckwudgies. Puckwudgies are little miniature creatures that are magical that can turn into like balls of light and lead you down a path and help you, or they could kill you depending on their whim. Hmm. The Puckwudgie is uh, the description matches like fey folk in Ireland and in Celtic regions of Europe matches the same description as Inuit places in Alaska. Oh. Uh, in South Africa, they have a very similar creature, and these Aboriginals. But 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 these but these are cultures that didn't have contact with each other. Right, right. right. And so you've got they're different names, of course, but the same description. And so you say to yourself, did everybody make up the same story? Exactly, exactly. Or did they really experience something they couldn't understand, and they they told the stories and they put a label on it and. Um, uh, so to me, that that is super curious, whether, um, you know, especially when we're talking about like shapeshifters and things like that, like, yeah, mm. native folklore has got various shapeshifting stories um, because, yeah, you always had to worry about the, you know, the, the sheep and the wolf and sheep's clothing. Right. Oh, always that's right. Too with shapeshifters. It's the, you know, not the knock at the door, but the but the name calling your name, trying to get your attention. You know, well, and that goes beyond. Yeah. You know, the story of the Christmas kind of scenario well th yeah then we start to get into like you know um wh when you start talking about stuff like that like demonic impl implications of like calling your name and saying your name three times or you saying their name three times at that point you're starting to put like your your religious belief system on top of uh, right right something specific you know which I, and the thing about that you can scoff at that but the reality is all of us carry luggage and the That's luggage right. is how we were raised if you were raised in a religion you don't let that go easy you know what I mean? Like, right, that, right. That's that's baked in at this point, and you can't just cast it aside. It will be with you forever. Um, so anyway, but Great that point. but that's but we but we have to be uh, cognizant when we're labeling things. Labels are dangerous. We need them. I get it, but they're yeah. also um, they're also dangerous. But to me, what I love about the folklore part of it is that the story has value. I don't care if you believe in monsters or ghosts right. or not. I mean, it's irrelevant right. to me. The story has value. And I think it's the reason it rings true is because people do see ghosts. People do see monsters. People do see aliens, UFOs and everything else. Right. They have the experience. So you might laugh at it if you want, but right. you're only laughing to make yourself feel better. That's uh, right. Because there's that <laughs> deep down part of you goes, what if, <laughs> what if that's real? Uh oh, yeah. right, right, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. especially so, during the uh, winter yeah yeah right especially during the winter when you're supposed to be afraid so yeah, the, wow. the one i brought up a, a minute ago labafana she doesn't seem like she doles out too much punishment no labafana is one you want to sign up for if you can i don't know how to sign up i'm not italian but um uh labafana is the italian christmas witch and she uh, shows up on the eve of epiphany the 11th night of christmas just before the very last day and she she flies through the sky on a broom she comes down your chimney and she'll leave little little dolces, little sweets and, and candies in your children's shoes. And you should leave something for her too, like a small glass of wine or some fruit or whatever. But the best part of La Bafana is before she leaves your house, the very best part, she cleans it. She go. cleans it before she leaves. And I don't know how to sign up for this, but I would very much like to. <laughs> oh, window, uh, window people are singing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. It's been all day here. Lance has a... <laughs> as an italian have you ever heard of this or no is your, your yeah i put in an application for it uh they haven't responded <laughs> back for her I, I i got the yule cat one night but that's a story. <laughs> <laughs> um, no this Good. is all new to me 
Catholic or not, uh, this is fantastic. Love it. Really enjoyed the book. If anybody's Thank listening, you. check it out. Uh, I don't know. Where, where can you get it right now? Uh, Amazon sold out. Books a Million sold out. Wow. Bookshop.org sold out. Congratulations, um, by the way. Yeah, thank you. It, 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 there'll be, I mean, there'll be more reprints and stuff in the future. Eventually, it'll come back. But uh, but the audiobook won't sell out. That's available. I narrated that. You can get that wherever you get audiobooks. The the ebook, the Kindle and all that, you can get that right away anywhere you get those things, including Amazon and everything. But um, right. And you might still see it in a couple of independent bookstores out there. But if you do, it's a first printing, first edition. There are very, very few left. Which is wild. The, the response to this book has been really awesome. So That's so um, awesome, man. And uh, yeah. another thing that I love about the book is you included the red tongue bookmark. You got it. Yeah, you he got did. It. He brought it up. I had no idea. Yeah. So yeah. so lots of people have been like, oh, I love that it's got a built-in bookmark. And I'm like, did you notice it's forked like Krampus's tongue? <laughs> yes. And, yes. And you were the only one that's ever said it. And that wasn't my idea. Um, Michael Pye, who works at the publisher, he said, yeah, I want to add this into the book. I'm like, I love that. I think it's great. And he's like, yeah, it's going to be like Krampus's tongue. And I told him, I said, I, I, now I have to tell him. Nobody got it, but this one dude, Peter, got it. Ah, there nice. we go. Yeah. Nice. Old window peeper. Oh, all right. Vindication. <laughs> That's all we need. I'll be like, hey, someone got it. Someone got it. So before we do, you know, close everything up, I did want to go over the story of Santa Claus as well, because yes. that's, I, I yeah. don't think, I mean, that's, you know, growing up, in the past Big hundred deal. years, that's that's all you know about Christmas is Santa sure. Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. So yeah. if you want to go into kind of where that tradition came from as well. Sure. So uh, when the Dutch came over to New Amsterdam, which of course is now called New York, um, they they brought Sinterklaas with them. And Sinterklaas was Americanized to Santa Claus. St. Nicholas Day was never a big deal in, in the United States. So uh, it, that didn't really catch on. Uh, Santa Claus starts to rise to prominence around the Civil War. Um, the uh, Harper's Magazine starts to draw him as a, as, a, as, a, as a figure, you know, giving gifts and stuff to the soldiers. And then eventually, um, uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas was written by Clement Moore. Right. And then he just his legend just sort of grows and grows from there. And we learn about his reindeer and flying through the sky and the North Pole and all that other stuff. It's really, though, the late 1920s that Santa explodes. And that's because of the Coca-Cola company. Um, America's in a Great Depression. And it turns out whenever you have an economic depression or recession, the only way out is to spend money, which is crazy if you don't have money how do you spend it and if right. you have a little bit of money your every instinct is well i should save it but coca-cola came up with this campaign centered around this when you close your eyes and think of santa claus you're thinking of the image that coca-cola gave you and oh, yeah. and, and and that had been evolving anyway for for really like 50 60 years um you know uh, harper's magazine thomas nast was drawing these these drawings that were were You'd know if I showed you one, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's obviously Santa. Sure. But he took another leap with Coca-Cola. So Coca-Cola needs to sell Coca-Cola. And they had this campaign. They put it out around Christmas time in all these magazines. And the crazy thing is it worked. And suddenly the following year, anyone who sells anything, whether it's pizza or donuts or cars or insurance or or whatever, they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Coca-Cola does not own Santa Claus. Right. We could use them, too. So imagine if you got the world's biggest celebrity to endorse your product or service for free. Uh, everyone's wow. like, "Sign us up!" Weren't we so, doing that? Room you you should be. <laughs> we're dressed. We're dressed up. We got the hat on the logo down there. So I mean, so I don't know if you all read the quote on the back of my book. 
just to illustrate my point, I got a, it's called a blurb. When you get a blurb from a celebrity, I got a blurb mm. from the world's biggest celebrity on the back of my book. From Santa himself. From Santa Claus. See? Anyway, uh, <laughs> just, just pulling a page out of history, the old playbook there. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Santa Claus becomes this big, big thing. And, uh, and America moves out of the recession. And Christmas becomes about one thing, consumerism. Spending money. The monsters all go away. Uh, Thanksgiving is moved to the fourth Thursday of November. It used to always be the last Thursday. That's moved to the fourth because right. retailers said we need more time for shopping. And what's good for the economy is good for America. So uh, Thanksgiving's moved. And, and suddenly there's no room for any darkness. There's no room for anything other than cheerful, happy, spend, spend, spend. Everybody, let's, let's you know, uh, make this about buying the latest and greatest toys and all that other stuff. Uh, and that's that's where it landed. And that's where it stayed for the longest time. Santa Claus became a, a figure of commerce. Uh, and, absolutely. It, but Santa Santa's works for us. And, and he's allowed to visit Jewish families, atheist families, uh, Hindu families. He's allowed to go anywhere he wants. But we've sort of like written this narrative around him in more modern times, which is unfortunate because this holiday used to be the single most inclusive holiday of all holidays because it was about the solstice. Right. If you live in a place where winter's dangerous in any way, it's, I don't care what you believe or don't believe, who you no, pray you to or don't pray to. We are in this together, period, right? Uh, and, and we'll all move through it together. You, you keep your traditions, I'll keep mine. But suddenly we tried to make it something it never was, and it never was quite sitting right. And I think we're in a time of correction right now that I welcome because every damn year it's Christmas, you are allowed to reinvent it your way. You don't want to do all the presents and stuff. Don't you, you don't want to eat a Turkey. Don't make the Turkey. What a waste. Make a lasagna, Lance. Like, yeah, make something you like, have chicken wings. I don't know, whatever you want, you know, like put, put anything on the menu that you want. Make that your tradition. Usually does pretty well. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like, so that's the thing about it is that we, we have a chance in this and all this darkness to redefine it literally this year, this year and the year after and the year after and the year after. And, and that's what, um, that to me, that's the moral of the whole story. Um, so, um, anyway, I don't mean to get on a soapbox, but I, no, I do think great. it's important that that's that Santa lost his way and it wasn't his fault, right? It's our fault. We, we pushed him to places that he was never meant to go, but we, we can help rein him back. We can bring him yeah. back in and, and give him a, the job he always wanted. Right. Um, and we can do that right now. And that's that's sort of comforting, you know? Yeah, right, that's, right. I was going to say, uh, Peter had a very interesting question he kind of wanted to close out with. Um, do it. That, that's a perfect, perfect segue for it. Oh, yeah. Like, um, you know, I grew up with Christmas and uh, I, I'm not a very religious person. Though. Not not really at all. But, uh, you know, I do hear discussions like they're taking Christ out of Christmas, you know, all this stuff. And commercially, that seems to be somewhat true, I guess. Like it's kind of moving away from that. I, I wanted to know how do you think Christmas will evolve, maybe within our lifetime or the the yeah. foreseeable future. What, Christ, what do you think will will stay behind traditional wise? Yeah. So Christ was never supposed to be in Christmas. Like that's not what it was about ever. Right. You know. Now that being said, if you want to make this holiday the celebration of the birth of Jesus, have at it. You can mm -hmm. celebrate his birthday any day you like. And if you want to make it deeply religious, 
do it. That's you, your prerogative, your family. Absolutely have at it. It doesn't mean you can't do all the other pagan stuff, like put up a tree and the lights and give right. to charity and, and have feasts and all that other stuff. You can do both. It's okay. Like I said, yeah. we're so polarized now. We're trying to be all or nothing with everything. Right. And, and what happened with, with keeping the Christ in Christmas was literally a, a hostile corporate takeover of a holiday that was never theirs. You know, um, and yes, I recognize it is called Christmas. I get it. I get it. Right. H however, it's really the solstice and that yeah. belongs to all people. And so. Um, so, yeah. So, no, that's 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 what happened. Christmas is so secularized anyway. Uh, right. And, right. and I, th I think what you're going to see is people think of it like a buffet. You don't have to eat everything at the buffet. You know, mm -hmm. you can take and pick the pieces that you want. And and we all have that right to do it. And so by all means, can't we move forward in a time where um, it doesn't have to be a, a religious war, you know, because there was a war against Christmas. It was waged by Christians and it went on for so many centuries. Right. However, only in recent time did they say, like, we're not winning this war. Let's just declare ourselves victors and say it was about us all the time. It's just not true. It's not fair. It's not historically accurate. And it's not, like I said, if it was that important, it would be in the Bible. Like at Christmas on December right. 25th, we do this, period. Like it doesn't say any of that. Right. Um, so uh, anyway, I, I think what we're going to see is that uh, some balance will get restored because that's what we do. We, we we make adjustments along the way. And I think the the Hollywood's doing its part, bringing out scary, spooky movies. I'm doing my part. <laughs> You're doing your part. You know, talking about a different side of the holiday that that's always been there. Yeah. And who knows if if people just incorporate like one little thing like, oh, yeah, I'm putting a wreath up because I want bad cheer to be outside and good cheer to be inside. Even that making that conscious decision of, hey, let's let's try a little harder inside the house this year. Um, right. Let's take let's take heed from what Charles Dickens taught us about the holiday and what Scrooge yeah. went through. Let's uh, not be such a jerk to people who work for us or whatever. Let's maybe help out others a little more. We right. can we could take all those pieces and because the problem with re religion divides us, it just does, you know, and if we could get it out <laughs> as much as possible, then maybe we can all kind of come back together again and make this what it was always supposed to be about. Right. Yeah. I think the solstice and the dangerous winter times are, are, are the necessary waves that we have to go through. Yeah. But what, what always shines through is, is the human spirit. And that's what yeah. I love about the holiday season. Absolutely. We need, we need each other. We stick together during the hard times and we celebrate. That's right. We party down because who knows what tomorrow brings. Couldn't have said it better. Love it. I, and hey, I love that homage, you're all Yule lads. Homage oh, yeah. to uh, humanity. And, yeah. and and also whatever religion you like to celebrate as well. By so all means. Yeah. Yeah. By all means. You know, like I've, I, I grew up with a lot of Jewish friends and, and they were like, oh, Christmas means going to the movies and getting Chinese takeout, you yeah. know? And I'm like, that's your Christmas tradition. And they're like, yeah, I guess it is, you know, and, and we look forward to it every year. I'm like, great, do it. And you can put up lights. It doesn't make you a Christian. If you put up lights, it doesn't, you can put up a tree. It doesn't make you Christian. Those were never Christian symbols. Right. Do it, you know, if yeah, you like, want it. Hell, I kind of want to keep the lights up all year. You know what I mean? Like, let's do I, it. <laughs> I like the lights. Some neighbors already talk so much about you, Pete. I probably wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I got to say this, though. As a Halloween guy for most of my adult career, right? Um, you know those like 18 foot tall uh, skeletons that you get at like Home Depot? They're like oh, 500 yeah. bucks, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've been I've seen now on no less than three houses over the last like three weeks. Yes. Um, 
the 18 foot skeletons are hanging Christmas lights on the house and wearing a Santa hat. And I'm just like, there's there's people that keep them up all year. Yeah. Yeah, No, no idea what they're doing, but it's it's perfect. This cannot be improved. I want to knock on the door be like, there's nothing you can do to improve this. You've, you've leveled up. This is as high as you go. Don't change a thing. Merry Christmas and happy Halloween. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, yeah, the Yule Lads is the one that I would want to bring back. Uh, Do it. Just kind of, just kind of close it out. I, I'm assuming you're a little partial to Krampus. Uh, I'm bringing Krampus back. Comeback. Because that, he's right behind me. Were... Is that yeah. the thing? <laughs> so um, I, I think, no, not necessarily. I mean, Krampus is shock and awe, and I appreciate mm. that. I need I need people's attention, and Krampus helps me with that tremendously. Uh, but there's a lot more uh, subtle stuff out there that um, that I think is, I, I, I like taking all the little pieces I can use and see where they land sure well cool wow. uh, is there is there anything else you want to relay to the listeners or uh you know i'm, I'm going to post this in podcast form later today uh, that way everyone gets as much time as possible before the actual you know christmas day to, to sure. soak it in and realize what's going on uh, that you want to relate to the listeners i'll just say this i just wish everybody the merriest and scariest holiday you've ever had nice there you go for, uh, for lance and peter i'm drew nell uh, I'll, I'll actually post his website in the episode description to where you can find the book and more information about Jeff. Uh, we definitely appreciate you coming on, going amazing. through this with us. Uh, amazing book. I recommend totally, if you can find it, if it's not sold out, I 100% recommend to get it. Um, but yeah, you can find his uh, website in our podcast description on this episode. Room 2008 is out.